Okay, John Andertrick again with Labor Lines, uh, the podcast here on Anchor FM, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and other platforms, Google. Put together two-part interview into one part, and so I can load it onto the internet with Crystal Herrera out of Los Angeles, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 11, Part 1 and Part 2, playing intro into those uh into those interview segments, so I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you. This is John Andercheck with Labor Lines. Labor Lines, the podcast that can be found on Anchor FM and other platforms. And Labor Lines, the weekly radio show on the great KRFP, Moscow, Idaho. Today is June 25th, and I'm at my home, my new home in uh, Longview, Washington. And joining me from Los Angeles via cell phone is Crystal Herrera. She is a journey-level electrician with the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, IBEW, Local 11 of Los Angeles, and has been recently elected to the executive board of that local. Full disclaimer, uh, I put 10 years in with the IBEW uh, on what we call the outside. I was a groundman. Uh, we Maybe we could just kind of throw that out, Crystal, as we're talking. But, Crystal, thanks so much for joining me uh, on this Friday afternoon. And I'm just going to turn the show over to you to get started. Thank you for having me. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, so like you said, um, you know, journey-level electrician out of Los Angeles, California. Um, I came in in 2014 um and you know back then when you applied for the apprenticeship you had to stand in this ridiculously long line and when i tell it's probably a thousand plus people right um and you know looking at that long line that i had to get into i was the only woman right so that was extremely intimidating um and I, I'm not even going to lie, I was kind of second-guessing myself, like, holy, holy crap, like, can I do this, you know? Um, and, you know, but I stuck it out and I stayed in line and, uh, you know, filled out my paperwork and turned in all the correct documents. And then when I get into the building and I'm having my Scantron for my entrance exam, um, it was given to me by Jane Templin, who's actually um, retired IBW Local 11 Los Angeles. Um, and she was actually the second woman woman to ever um, get into our local, right? Um, so she's a very big deal, you know. And she, um, you know, gave me a hell of a handshake and um, went up there and kind of told her story to everyone and kind of explained her journey and what it was like for her. And I feel like that made the world a difference for me, um, being the only woman in the room. And I was like, okay, I could totally do this, you know. Um, and I know that wasn't intentional and I know it wasn't on purpose, right? I think it was just chance that that happened, but, um, it definitely made the difference for me, um, that day. And, um, yeah, I got in, everything, um, went good, went well. Um, I went into, um, boot camp, um, started that whole process and then, um, I pretty much got involved, I want to say, fairly soon after I got in. Um, our previous business manager used to send a lot of um, people to conferences. And I say a lot, I mean a lot, like 30 people. Um, and I think it was kind of his way of trying to 
um, cast a wide net, right, to get people involved. Um, and, you know, not not your typical uh, demographic that you usually see up there, which is usually, like, uh, older white men, you know, but, like, more so women, people of color, young workers, um, people like that. So I was invited to... Um, attend the Women Build Nations conference, um, which that year I think was in Chicago. Um, and I, you know, jumped at the chance. I went um, to the conference with, I think, like I said, 30 other women. Um, and it was amazing, probably life-changing. Um, and to me, that's what, you know, solidarity is all about. Like being in a room with thousands of other tradeswomen from all over the world, like, um, that's just, that's a feeling that I can't even describe. I can't even begin to describe. You kind of have to be there, right? Especially being on the job site. Sometimes you can go months, um, maybe even a year without seeing another woman um, on the job, you know? So to be um, in this place where you're just surrounded by them and the amount of energy in that room is just off the charts. Um, the workshops were phenomenal. Um, I made friends and connections that I still have to this day. Um, so I think I kind of caught the, the union activist bug that day um, or that weekend. And I came home and immediately got to work. Um, I definitely always wanted to run for office. Um, because, you know, of course, I feel like I might have a knack for it. But also, you know, there are things that I would love to be better. You know, like... Um, don't get me wrong, IBW, um, joining the trades was the best decision that I've ever made. But um, I, I can't sit here and say that things couldn't be better. Things could always be better, right? Um, and I feel like, you know, us as a family, as a union, can always kind of look at ourselves and check our own backyard and, and, and think about how we can make those changes. So I definitely wanted to get involved, um, wanted to run for office. So I kind of started to build my resume um, intentionally, you know, um, get involved in all the clubs that I could get into, um, mentor people as much as I could. Um, you know, uh, Jane Templin immediately took me under her wing, um, taught me so much about outreach um, and mentorship. Um, and I, when I got the chance to run for um, office for Renew, which is our Young Worker Caucus, um, I won. I won president. And um, I've been working within that group and trying to build that back up um, to something good ever since. And um, the idea was always to um, jump in there and kind of uh, run for office. And that's what I did. Excellent. Crystal, uh, a lot of things there uh, I'll, I'll uh, throw out as my impression as I listen to you. Um, I, I don't have a hard time imagining uh, the transformation, uh, though, is on a greater scale than my experience, which I'll, I'll, I'll relate here. But uh, the transformation of attending those conferences, uh, in your case, again, with the women in the trades and electricians union again, um, when I got involved uh, with a strike going on here, it was actually with the United Steelworkers. We, uh, the group of us, organization I belong to, uh, uh, stood with them for three years. Um, but, boy, you attend your first u uh, labor union activity, uh, I would say when you t attend your first rally, uh, I would I would uh, say be cautious because you will not leave uh, 
becoming part of a labor movement, you will not leave the same person. It is transformational. So congratulations on that. Congratulations on sticking it out in that line because, you know, the answer of could you do it or not do it, you would have answered it if you turned away from that line because then you would just answer that you stuck it out there. Um, and uh, and uh, But let's go back a little. Like I, I said before we started recording, Crystal, uh, my hope is that we're going to get people listening to this that I'm not all that familiar. Can you give us uh, uh, as brief or lengthy as you want uh, explanation of the apprenticeship program specifically as uh, to get it as to a journey level electrician what it took for you uh, it's I know from my uh, part of the electricians it's uh, can be a very not only technically demanding but physically demanding yes yes uh, it definitely can for me myself to get to the apprenticeship uh you know, there's a couple requirements, right? There's, um, you have to have a high school diploma or a GED. You have to have a driver's license. You have to have like a C or better in algebra, which I did have. Um, but you know, because of things in my life that had happened, I actually didn't graduate from high school. Um, so I just kind of got straight into the workforce. Um, so like when I made the choice to try to get into the IBW, I actually had to get my stuff together, you know, like, I had to make sure that I did all the things that I had to do to get all my documents in order to even be able to stand in that line, you know? Um, so that was uh, a whole thing in itself. Um, that all worked out. Once I got in, I think the physical aspect for me personally, um, it was okay. You know, um, of course my feet hurt at first, like crazy. Um, but I, I got used to it after a while. Um, I am, I would say, as far as like maybe um, some women are concerned, uh, a larger person. Um, so I think, you know, carrying conduit, carrying ladders, um, things like that kind of uh, came naturally or it was, it was um, easy enough for me. Um, and also I, I don't really have any problem asking for help. You know, like if it's, if we're talking three inch rigid, you know, I'm not going to hurt myself to try to prove a point, you know, like um, I definitely, try to keep in mind that, you know, we have one body and we're going to be at this for, you know, 20 years. So, um, I, I'm definitely in it for the long haul. So I always try to be, um, cautious of that. Um, but even with that being said, I mean, you know, I got a bum knee now, like, <laughs> you know, I have lower back pain. Like it, it's some of that stuff's just inevitable. What's going to happen with the physical trait, um, like we have in the IBW. But yeah, I mean, um, school that was definitely a change to getting back into to school right um I came in at 28 so um I you know I hadn't been in class in a classroom in a long time so um that was definitely adjustment you know to um you know have to make time to study have to make time to um just basically I had to make it a priority you know like um this was an opportunity like I had never seen you know like to be able to earn as you learn um, and also acquire work experience at the same time. Like that's, it's just something else, you know? Um, so I definitely did whatever I had to do to make it a priority and um, make my career come, come first. Excellent, uh, Crystal. 
Uh, yeah, and for those, again, listening that aren't too familiar with apprenticeship programs or basically vocational training, and I'll put this plug out for unions. Uh, unions are the largest vocational provider of vocational training in the United States of America. So all the community colleges, all the private vocational schools, it add them all up, but the unions put more uh, training out there any given year. So uh, what you're speaking of, the apprenticeship, and this would be the same if you were the laborers, iron workers, carpenters, uh, it is a combination of classroom and uh, training out on the job. Uh, and I, uh, if where I live now, uh, outside of Portland, a uh, very impressive training center. It's uh, in combination with the uh, Electrical Contractors Association. And uh, so you're doing both of those. And then you, uh, as you progress through the work, you have to be under observation, a journey level electrician. And uh, as we say, they sign you off as you go. You, you rise up in steps, correct? Correct. Uh, so that's that's a part of it. Uh, another thing about I think we should point out about the trades is uh, there's less worry about what a person might have done yesterday. It really comes down to what you're going to do today on that job. Is that sentiment something you'd agree with? Absolutely, Crystal. Right. I mean, yeah, you know, that's uh, kind of an emotional guy, but that kind of hit me as you talk about it. You, you, you start a new leaf. Again, as another person put it, uh, it, it, it's not what you did yesterday, but you show up at, you know, uh, dark 30 in the morning on a job site, ready to go on time, ready to learn, ready to ask questions, ready to pitch in. Uh, that's all that's all we're looking for in the trades. Um, and, and that's my experience. So good for you. Um so you went through the process of apprenticeship, uh, the term you topped out, you, you earned your journey level, and uh, and are, you, are they keeping you busy down there in Los Angeles? Yeah, I've been fairly busy. Um, I want to say out of my whole career, um, I haven't really had to stay home um, unless it was like a choice, you know? Um, I did take some time um, for COVID, right? Um, especially when it first hit, uh, a lot of people weren't really sure. We didn't have a lot of good information, you know, um, about what to do, what happens. Nobody knew. Um, so when, you know, the, the word came in that we were essential workers, right, and they wanted us to continue to work, I kind of had to make a personal choice. With, did I feel that the work I was doing was essential? And um, did I want to put myself and my family at risk? Um, continuing to go to work every day, especially when, like I said, we didn't have 
good information or sometimes just straight misinformation. Um, so I did take uh, probably a good three months and I stayed home um, just to kind of quarantine and stay safe at home. And then um, once, you know, the contractors were um, able to get a hold of more masks, even the N95, the real good ones, um, there was uh, more um, rules into place about, like, who can do what and how things were going. Um, they actually did a really cool thing. And I'm not, I think it was national. Like, um, they would, like, so basically your contractor, um, it was like a law that they passed. Like, if um, you were sick, even if it was a cold, if you had the sniffles, a cough, or body aches, whatever, any sort of symptom, stay home. And they would pay you. They would pay you for those two weeks um, so that you can stay home and get better. Even if you tested and you tested negative. Um, they would still pay you for those two weeks just to be on the safe side. So I think that definitely played a big part into me getting back to work because, um, you know, in construction, like if we don't work, we don't get paid. Right. So um, that's definitely uh, a big thing for me, especially I'm in a single income household. Um, so that that law that they passed was was huge for us down here in Los Angeles. OK, good. Yeah, right. We didn't know, did we? I mean, and yeah. Uh, no information, misinformation, disinformation. Um, certainly, uh, uh, generally speaking, electrician, uh, dream level, uh, electrician and the line level, what we call linemen, uh, certainly essential workers, but the job, specific job might not be essential. So there was a judgment right. call. Uh, uh, good for you. And uh, so you, you completed a course. You're keeping busy. And... Uh, and then maybe we can, uh, first I'm going to just kind of put a little uh, break in here. Uh, again, this is John Andercheck with Labor Lines, the podcast, and the weekly radio show on KRFP. Joining me today, June 25th, via cell phone, is Journey Level Electrician Crystal Herrera out of Los Angeles, Local 11. Um, and she uh, recently been elected to the executive board of that local. Maybe we could swing into that if that's okay, Crystal. Uh, and again, we're hoping that we have people listening that aren't too familiar with uh, unions and how they work, at least in this country. So at first you want to explain the executive board and then uh, perhaps get into your path to it? Sure. Um, so basically the executive board uh, consists of seven members. Um, because everything comes down to a vote, right? So you have that seventh member, which is uh, the chair, that if by chance there is a tie, that chair can be the tiebreaker. Um, and we pretty much vote on any, pretty much any finances that come through the local, anything that the local spends money on um, has to get approved by the executive board. The properties that we handle also are overseen by the executive board, like the properties we own, like as, as a local. Um, also, we approve organizing applications, like when the organizers go out there and um, organize non-union members or even just other people, um, they have to do all this paperwork and then that application comes through to the executive board and we approve or disapprove that application. Um, we also approve uh, change of classification. So I myself am in, I'm an inside wireman. But we also have a transportation classification and uh, a sound and communication transfer, uh, classification. So, like, say a sound and uh, sound and um, communication wants to become an inside wireman, they would have to submit an application, and we would approve um, that application. 
Um, also, political donations. That's a, that's a big one. Um, anytime a, a candidate wants an endorsement from the local, that also has to come through the executive board. Um, we also call special meetings. So, like, if um, there's an allocation meeting, like, um, where we have to allocate certain funds um, to our pay, um, I believe we handle the voting system for that. Um, we also kind of oversee elections and handle um, a lot of the stuff for that. Um, there's, there's honestly so many things. I can go on and on and on about what the executive board is, but kind of in a nutshell, I would say like a checks and balances. Um, like anything that the local wants to do that's big in that way, um, they kind of have to communicate and take it to the executive board um, for approval. And that goes with members as well. Members can come in front of the executive board, make a proposal, and it can uh, get a thumbs up or a thumbs down from the executive board. Yeah, they're very interesting. And again, uh, Crystal, you and I, we're, we're in unions. Uh, we, we're, we don't have uh, blinders on. Uh, we can speak of the problems with them. Um, but uh, there is that essential Democratic uh, representative feature to it that you're not going to find in too many other places. And anyone, anyone in good standing with the union... Uh, can participate, as you said. Um, another facet, another job also, isn't it, if you have to do disciplinary hearings uh, regarding a member? Is that something the local board would do? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, the tri uh, trial boards. So, like, if a member brings charges against another member, um, we act as the court that kind of oversees um, that process. Um, so we handle that as well. That's another big, big aspect of the executive board. Right. Yeah, a couple of things in there. You use the term political contributions. Just a disclaimer, because uh, being in unions, we know being in labor, how they throw that mud around. No one's dues goes to political campaigns. So I'm just throwing that out, Crystal, because, you know, I mean, you know as well or better as I do. It's like, no, those you decide if you want to pay towards the political campaigning, you can select to do that. Con uh, committee on public uh, political education, uh, cope, whatever you get to do that yourself. Uh, the employer could take that out of your check, but that's voluntary. So uh, the dues go to the maintaining of the union and what they do for you at your job site, or if you're not working and uh, you're waiting to get called. I mean, it's uh, the hiring hall, right? So there. So you got involved. Uh, and you earlier on in this conversation, Crystal, something I'd like to go back to. Um, you, you, you got involved because as, as much as you will uh, point out uh, the positive aspects of the union, what it's done for you, what it's done for thousands of others, um, things have to change. I guess maybe we can all agree on that because all you have to do is look at the numbers. Uh, and right. the decline of the middle class in the United States and the decline of union membership, uh, they're almost, you almost can color them on a graph with the same color because they're so tied to each other. We have seen an enormous decline, especially in the private sector. And, uh, we're, you know, it's almost a death spiral. Uh, we're going to have to do something different, in my judgment, uh, to pull out before we just crater. But I'll, I'll, I'll leave that up to you if you want to add to that. Give us your thoughts. Like I said, best decision I've ever made, but there is also um, things that need to change, you know? Um, and one of the, the main kind of tells for me was, um, yeah, there wasn't a lot of women on the job site, you know? Like, I went a good while before I saw another woman there. So it's like, 
how how can we make sure that we're bringing more women into the trade and not just bringing them in, but um, also retaining them, like just making sure that they stay because that's that's part of the problem too. I feel like a lot of unions say, hey, we're bringing women in, kind of this. It's like, okay, but how many of them are actually turning out and becoming journey level, right? And how many of them are sticking around after that? Um, I believe that some women have a really hard time in the trade, um, so that might be part of the reason why they choose to move on to other things. I know women that have gone on to be, you know, to teach or that have gone on to be a, a, a county inspector or something else that's um, outside of the trade as soon as they have the opportunity to. Because there is a, a, a culture in construction, right? It's a, it's um, very kind of, you know, rub some dirt in it and get over it <laughs> type of attitude um, that I think also needs some work. I know that we've made a lot of change to like our safety culture, which is great and important. Like, Things are so much more safer than they were 20 years ago, but we can also do something for the culture of how we treat each other um, also, because it, in my opinion, that also is a safety issue, right? Like we want to make sure that everyone's safe and comfortable on the job in every way. So we can definitely do work in those aspects. So I kind of um, myself have concentrated on, you know, women in the trades, um, focusing on that issue. Also people of color in the trades. Um, there's, I want to say in Los Angeles, like our entire union is like 80% people of color. But for a long time, the people that the, the top people that were in control were old white men. Right. So that that's also a tell that we don't have an, that we didn't have enough people of color in positions of power in this space. Um, also, young workers. Right. Um, young workers have a lot of great ideas, fresh ideas. Um, and. And sometimes there is, that's part of the culture too, where it's like, okay, you don't know enough yet, right? You need to take a back seat. But also, like, people need to be willing to teach, right? So, like, there may be that lack of experience, but also what are we doing to make sure that we're, we're passing on the experience that we have, the knowledge that we have? Because if we refuse to let go of that and we refuse to pass on that knowledge, we can't really complain that people don't know anything. Um, so I feel like that also comes into play there. But, um, yeah, and another big kind of moment for me, I went to the IBW Women's Conference and they showed, uh, like, all of the international vice presidents across the country, right? And um, at the time, there was not a single woman, there was not a single person of color. And I feel like in my mind, I was like, wow, you know, like, what do we got to do, you know, to, like, get get somebody that looks like me on that board, you know? and, you know, it's it's kind of the will start turning. And I know I'm not the only one. And I know I'm not the first person to try to, you know, think about these things. Um, but, you know, I definitely just want to make sure that we're consistently pushing towards progress. We actually got our first uh, woman international VP, I want to say, um, oh, like a year ago. Yeah, so she got sworn in. So that's awesome. That's progress. That's a step forward. I'm super happy and excited for her. Um to, to get that position, but we still have a lot of work to do. Uh, I agree. Uh, I'm going to take a quick uh, pause in this uh, recording here. Crystal, Crystal Herrera, uh, journey level electrician out of Los Angeles. I'm John Andercheck. Going to pause here and restart so we can fit this into an upcoming radio show. So hang on, Crystal. Back again with Crystal Herrera. 
journey level electrician out of Los Angeles. And uh, at the end of the last segment, Crystal, you were sharing your thoughts about what what you what you see as a need to change in the IBEW, excuse me, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, uh, be more in- inclusive. And I agree with you absolutely. I'll just throw this thought out and, and let you respond. I see it at two levels. One is just the, the whole idea of equity, that everyone should have a chance. Um, and uh, and that's important, obviously. But also I see it as, as literally uh, uh, the survival of, of the trade unions in particular, because if there's not enough people that feel they, they uh, don't have access or their family doesn't have access or uh, – the communities they're part of don't have access to those union wages, those union benefits. They can say, hey, that's great. You're doing that. But if I can't get into it, why should I care? And uh, and just won't see labor or union issues, say, at the political battlefield as important to them. And uh, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100 percent. I think um it all comes down to diversity and inclusion and not just diversity, right? Because I feel like sometimes people just want to concentrate on that one part and it's like a two-part thing. Um, they just want to say, hey, look it, we got people of color, we have young women, we have young workers. And it's like, yeah, but how how um, how inclusive are we being with those individuals? Like, it's not just about them uh, being a part of, but like, are we giving them opportunities to be in positions of power? Are we actually listening to and hearing and implementing some of their thoughts and ideas? So that's where that in- inclusiveness um, really comes in. And I think IBW is, especially at the international level, trying to do a lot of work about diversity and inclusion. They um, started an initiative called IBW Strong, and that's kind of the, the main goal of that initiative. Um, trying to figure out how we can across the board um, become more diverse and inclusive. And I think they're doing great work over there. We just have to also do the work to make sure that 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 stuff makes it down to the boots on the ground, right? Because a lot of times I feel like there's a disconnect, you know? There's a disconnect between the internationals and the locals, and then there's a disconnect in between the locals and the the membership, the boots on the ground, you know? Um, So I feel like a lot of the work that um, that other young activists are doing within the IBW and other unions is trying to bridge some of those gaps. Right, and you know, and the thing is, I'm gonna I'm gonna figuratively stop anyone in their tracks if they're gonna listen to this and say, "Well, women are gonna be given a break physically; they can't do the job," and then just say, "Whoa, uh, no effort to recruit and retain uh, women." Uh, or other groups uh, is degrading uh, both uh, any characteristic necessary to do this job. You're still going to have to do the job. And uh, let's keep it straight. Who is the uh, the toughest hombre in the world? I mean, there's always going to be someone stronger than you. I mean, I, you know, at 66, I took a job here and I just tell them, you know, I'm not Hercules now, but I wasn't Hercules at 26 either. I mean, I worked with Hercules, but uh, – you, you might have the physical strength, but there's things you need, and it doesn't matter how tough you are. There's jobs that you're not going to be able to do the physical end of it by yourself. You, you just literally need other people. That, that's the way we're built, you know, until they automate the whole process. That's the way we built, and uh, that should be the way you look at it. So if, uh, the, no one's getting a break on the job uh, by the effort of the IBW or other trades, uh, in my experience and opinion. So with that – 
uh, uh, I'll just kind of leave it at that. If there's anything you want to add to that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's not, you know, that it's not degrading the trades at all. If anything, it's honoring the community, you know, like we're, especially in Los Angeles, like, um, we're a melting pot of different, a whole lot of different demographics, a whole lot of different people. Um, so like we, we as Los Angeles are building our communities, you know, so like people on the job sites should also look like the communities. And I feel like that's so very important. And um, like I said, it's not, not degrading it at all. It's honoring it. Absolutely. And it's, if it, and when, when we look at the political battlefield, going back again uh, to my thoughts there, Crystal, um, it literally has to be uh, all of us or won't be none of us because we won't find the support that we're going to need uh, at the legislative level, at the political level, if too many f- people feel, again, like, wow, those union wages, union benefits are great, but I-, I don't get a piece of it, so why should I care if someone running for office is, uh, is anti-union? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, you're on the executive board. You're going to be sworn into the executive board, and you covered that, what you look at. Uh, I'll throw this out when you talked about classifications in the first segment, uh, the IBDW, if anyone's interested, has an enormous amount of classifications or different job sites. We uh, And one thing I'm very proud of, again, I'm a retired from the IBEW, very proud of uh, who we are willing to organize. I mean, we organize the staff of uh, state political parties. We organize the public defender's office in New Jersey. Uh, it goes on and on. I mean, uh, I respect all the trade unions, but uh, the one thing about IBW that I'm so proud of is that we're willing to go in there and organize, and we have enormous diversity from camera operators to uh, linemen to inside electricians. Uh, I, I really, I couldn't even say how many there are. So there you go. I know that we, uh, we're active on uh, sports uh, broadcasting, for one thing. But anyways, yeah. uh, Crystal Herrera, uh, you give me a lot of your time. Um, is, is there anything more you want to add? Um, shoot, let's see. I mean, okay, I kind of, when it comes to running for office, and I briefly talked about this last weekend at a women's event, like um, what I would say to younger folks, people of color or women, um, you don't have to wait. You know, like, um, you do not have to wait for somebody to tap you on the shoulder and say that you're ready, right? Only you know when you're ready. Um, and I feel like just going for it, right, standing in your integrity, doing the right thing, um, that's so important. And um, and when it works and you, and you actually win, I feel like it's, it's just so much sweeter um, that way. So definitely don't wait. Um, we need people to... You know, I feel like that's something that's said a lot of the time. It's like, oh, just step up. You know, just step up and be present and, and, and you'll get your chance, right? And, and that actually rarely happens to a lot of people, um, especially a lot of people that look like me. So um, I think you you definitely um, have to step up for yourself and just kind of go for it um, and find your team of people, uh, find your support system, you know, and cling to them for dear life, you know, um, and lean on them and talk to them at length um, as much as you can about your thoughts and ideas and um, and come up with a plan and just and go for it. Excellent. And uh, uh, I agree. And uh, it, 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 it just comes right down to as trite or corny as it says. It's, it's it, you know, um, 
if you if you don't like what's going on, get involved. I mean, you know, uh, and it's going to be a process. Nothing's going to change overnight. And I think when you get into the system, you find that things are are complicated. There's no simple answers to complex questions. Uh, but uh, it, you know, it's a process, and you you get involved. You're going to make it what you want. And again, unions do offer that it, 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 that opportunity. We are. Uh, in, compared to many parts of society, a democratic organization with all our uh, flaws. So, Crystal Era, well, how about anything to say uh, to anyone, uh, young or old, uh, regardless of their gender, regardless of their uh, demographics, for lack of a better term? Uh, what would you say if they're thinking about the trades in general and uh, uh, IBEW in particular? I would say um, definitely go for it. Uh, like I said, it's the best decision I've ever made. Um, this is an opportunity for you to earn as you learn. Um, free education is just something that, oh man, you know, like I, we can't take that for good. That's amazing. Um, so definitely jump at this opportunity. Also, having great benefits. Um, I've never had um, health benefits like this in my life, um, and and they're all mine, you know, and and um, and I earned them, and. Um, you know, that also finishing that apprenticeship and that, you know, sense of accomplishment um, and being able to, you know, build build the city that I live in with my own two hands is, is very, very rewarding. Um, so I would definitely say that trades, uh, the trades are a great choice. Um, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, college or um, going another route is a bad choice. I think even if you do decide to go to college straight out of high school or you are currently going to college right now, definitely still consider the trades. That's still an option. That's still an avenue that you can take. Um, there's so many different things that you can do within the IBEW. There's so many different opportunities um, where whatever previous experience you have will probably still come into play. And um, you can still probably put it to good use. I agree 100%. That's what I say to people that uh, it, it, don't do it because you feel you have to do it. If you want to pursue a, a career that uh, requires a college education. Good for you. Most important thing is be doing what you want to do. But if the trades, if you're sure the trades are for you, or if you, or you're not sure, but they seem like a good alternative, good way to go, it's certainly better than blowing in the wind. Uh, like, right. uh, you know, certainly better than that. Um, and if, if it doesn't work out for you, but again, the experience will never hurt you in life, will it? No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And like, like, and I feel like most of my sisters and brothers' case, it, it actually works out real well. Excellent. Crystal Herrera, journey-level electrician out of the IBEW, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 11 in Los Angeles, and newly elected to the local executive board. Thank you for your time. I'm going to quit recording again. This is John Andercheck, Labor Lines, the podcast and the radio show. So hold on a second there, please. <laughs>